0: Well, good evening. If you could open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Um, this is our second evening, really, in the book of Romans, Sunday night. Uh, brother Danny uh, preached to us from Romans, chapter 8. And as I listened to that, the Lord really laid these verses in chapter 6 upon my heart. And I want to share that with you tonight. So we'll be reading from Romans, chapter 6 from verses 1 through to 7. So if you have your Bibles, please follow along with me. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life for sin. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage this evening, Lord, we acknowledge that apart from your help, Father, apart from your help with the preacher delivering delivering your word and apart from your help through the Holy Spirit opening opening the ears of those who have gathered here tonight, then nothing that will be said will avail anything, Father. We acknowledge our dependence upon you, O Lord. We acknowledge that we are not able in and of ourselves to even comprehend the smallest of these truths, Lord. But it is the greatest truths that you open as your Spirit gives us insight. And we ask, Father, that you would help us in this way tonight. Father, open your word to to us that we may be transformed, as your word declared it, from one degree of glory to the next, that we may become more like our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we may become more loving, more kind, more patient, and more Christ-like every moment of our lives, Father. Thank you that we know that you work at all things together for the good of those who love You and are called according to Your purposes. So we pray now, Lord, as we gather here under the preaching of Your Word, that we would be blessed by You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I want to draw our attention specifically tonight to verse 4 of this passage. The Apostle Paul says to us, Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. You know, I wonder how many times you've stopped and just paused for a little while on that thought, what it means to walk in the newness of life. What does it mean to be called into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and into the reality of His death and sacrifice upon a cross for us and then to be brought to that place where God Himself now set a seal upon us and say, you, my child, are to walk in newness of life. You know, how many of us, I wonder if we were to ask the question tonight, would testify to that reality hopefully all of us hopefully all of us would say yes indeed i am walking in newness of life because of what jesus christ has done for me but my dear brothers if you are anything like me and i think you, most of you probably are because we are all in so many ways still beset by the world and sin and the struggles that we have in the warfare to which God himself has called us to in this world. And often we find things a struggle. You know, I remember about 10 to 12 years ago, I can't exactly remember the date, but I was just uh, new in my ministry with Sajra, sharing the gospel with soldiers, and I was working in Borden. Uh, It's a place where Remy at that stage was stationed. And it was a a large unit about any given moment. There was about 3,000 soldiers on that unit. And I walked around sharing the gospel with soldiers. And there's two individuals that I met and started studying the scriptures with them, reading through the Bible and talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we continue to do this, eventually these two individuals made a profession of faith. They were both on the same course, which was a tremendous blessing. They often brought some of their course mates along, and we would have discussions during lunchtime, and it was just wonderful. You know, it's just amazing when you see God's blessing. And, you know, their profession continued in the time in Borden. They were there for about a year. And by the time they finished their course, they had to be posted away to a unit that they had to go to. And both of these individuals were posted to Germany. Now, all British soldiers who've spent time in Germany knows the struggles and the trials that lay lay before you in that environment. You're taken out of your comfort zone. You're taken to a place where you live only among other soldiers, and the type of things that soldiers get up to often aren't the most sanctified activities that you can imagine. And these two guys were sent out in the midst of that. I contacted them a few times, you know, to my, due to my own failures. I'm very, very bad at keeping in touch with people once they move on. But as time drew on within a couple of months, I stopped calling them and uh, our, our, our relationship started to fade to extend. You know, about four years passed. And after that four years, I was in the mess one evening, just walking around looking for somebody to talk. And if we think about this concept of walking in newness of life, one of the things do we need to remember is that it means that you and I will be changed by God. You see, this newness of life is not something that you have decided, right, now all of a sudden I'm going to live in this way. It is impossible. You know, all the gifts of the spirit is impossible for you as an individual just to go and muster up by your own will. It is a gift of God to us that comes as a result of his regenerating grace in the life of a person who've come to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. And these two, and these two guys were, were out there and I walked that evening about four years late, later in the, in the cookhouse. And lo and behold, I saw one of them sitting there at the table. And I thought, oh, great. You know, I'm going to sit down there and catch up with my brother. And I went to sit down with him and I said to him, oh, you know, so good to see you. You're back on your class once. All the soldiers that are posted out uh, from Lynam after their basic course, after four years, they'll come back and do what they call an upgraded course. You see, so they, they continue their qualification. And and I immediately assumed that, what, that was what the soldier was on. And I sat down with him, started talking. Within moments, the other guy came by as well. And, you know, I started rejoicing more and more because I was able to catch up with these two brothers of mine. You know, and I, I asked them, how are you guys doing? How long have you been here? And they both kind of looked at me a little sheepishly and they said, oh, we, we've been here for about five months, which means they were coming to the end of their course. And immediately I thought, you know, at least thought you would look me up or say hi or something, but I, I left that. And within moments, the rest of the guys from the course started joining us, sitting at the table as well. And you know, within moments, the, the, the this discourse just changed completely. They started talking just the way all the other so, soldiers talk. They started swearing and cursing and all these things. You know, got to the point where I eventually just stood up and I said to him, "Listen here." I just want to say to you, by what I see right now, I need to warn you. Because the Bible says, do you not know this about yourself? If you are a Christian, that Jesus Christ live in you unless you fail to meet the test. Do you not know that it says if you have come to Christ, that you are indwelled by Jesus Christ himself? And somebody who's indwelled by Jesus Christ should not be able to talk the way you are talking right now. I do not know whether you are truly saved. And I just walked away, walked away to my office. I was actually quite grieved in my heart. You know, I was certain that these two men had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And now this had happened. You know, what has happened to this newness of life that we have been promised of in the Bible? Where has it gone? You know, and I went went to my office, and about half an hour later, one of them came to my office. And he knocked on the door and said, Tian, can I come and talk to you? I said, yeah, please come in. And he said said to me, it really shocked me what you said to me. I think for the first time in about four years, I thought about Christ and my commitment that I've made to him. He said, I think you're right. I think I've never been saved. You know, I was able to talk to him and share with him. And I said to him, you know, the fact that you came back might be some indication that the Lord had actually done a work in your life. We need to remember this. Our heavenly Heavenly father is not a derelict father. He will not let his children run around like the world. He will always bring them back to himself. You know, we were able to read through scriptures and started studying together again for the rest of that mind, for the rest of that month. And he, he actually got posted up to Norfolk and joined the church there. And last that I've heard, he was still going strong with the Lord. You know, but it is. It is something we need to recognize. You know, Paul in this letter has has just from from the beginning of, of, of chapter one made, made it abundantly clear to us that everyone on the face of this earth is liable to the judgment of God because we have all sinned and fallen short of his glory. You know, he placed everybody under the bondage of the law. And then he presents to us the reality of the gospel. And he tells us that God has done with that which the law could not do. It saved us by presenting Jesus Christ as a perpetuation for our sins upon the cross and brought us into his presence. And as he brought us into his presence, he then brought us now here to this chapter where he starts speaking to us about what that will look like in the life of a believer. And my dear brothers and sisters, this is something each and every one of us needs to hear. We need to hear the reality that if you have been called into the presence of Jesus Christ, if you've repented and put your hope in Him, then there will be a reality of a newness of life in you. You will be changed. You can no longer be the same. You know, it's like, Charles Spurgeon used to use this example and he used to say if you were to bring a, a swine, a pig in, into into the church today and you were to put in the one side of the church a bowl of sloth, a bowl of good, the stuff that pigs love and delight in and on the other side of the church you would have a gourmet, gourmet meal, a, a, a free course meal with Wonderful desserts and stuff like that. If you let that pig go, he will run straight to that sloth and he'll dig his head in it and he'll delight in it because that's his nature. But if you by the power of God somehow could change that pig into a man, he would jump up and he would be ashamed and he would, he would, he would expel all of that stuff because it no longer relates to him. It's no longer part of his nature. And that that is what needs to happen in the life of a believer. We need to be changed. We need to be changed by the power of God so that we can walk in this newness of life. And that's why Paul says here, therefore we have been buried with him, with Jesus Christ in baptism into his death. So it's not really talking about the physical baptism here. When it talks about baptism in this context, it talks about the fact that you are fully submerged into the reality of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. You see, as he died on the cross for us, so you and I have died to sin. And, and Paul presents us three precepts in this passage that helps us understand this concept of walking in this newness of life that he's setting before us. And the first concept that he presents us is in verse 2. And it's this reality that you and I are now dead to sin. Look at verse, verse 2. Now let's read from verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? You know, Paul is addressing that reality, what he, what he communicated in, in chapter 5, that we have been saved by grace, that God's abundant grace has cleansed us fully from our sin. And, and what will most often happen with unre- unregenerate people is they will go and say something like, so I've been cleaned. I've been set free from the bondage and power of sin. And, and, you know, God's grace abounds all the more wherever there is sin. So why not sin more? And Paul's answer is by no means. Never. Do you not know this? He said, God forbid. God forbid that we should sin anymore. Do you not recognize this? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, so this is the first precept that he gives us in light of this certainty of the newness of life that we have been promised in Jesus Christ. It is that, that you and I are dead to sin. Look, you need to notice that that that, that word is given to us in the past completed tense. You are dead. You are dead to sin. You're not just dying to sin. You are dead to sin because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Isn't that a stark contrast to what we used to be in the flesh? In the flesh, we were all testified that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. When you were in the flesh, you had no ability to stand against the pull of this world and the the torment of sin and depravity. It pushed in all around you. But what Paul says now very clearly, he says you're no longer dead in your sins. No, in fact, you are dead to sin. My dear brothers and sisters, I wonder this evening if that is a reality in your life. Can you say with me tonight, yes, I am dead to sin? I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking about our ability never to sin again. I'm talking about the reality of that change that God himself has wrought into your life. That he has brought you to a place where you are dead to sin and you hate sin. It's a part of the reality of that warfare that is ever before a believer. That when you sin or when you struggle, it grieves your heart. You, you, yes, you you do sin, but when you sin, you are burdened with it. it. It weighs you down because you no longer want to be a part of that. You are dead to sin. You no longer live in it. That is something that God has done for us. And so in light of this newness of life, we need to recognize that precept that God has brought us to a place where we are now dead to sin. So therefore, no longer live in it. Look how he makes it clear. He makes it clear that you need to see that reality, that you are dead to sin so that you may no longer live there in. How then should we live? If we don't live... In 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 sin and the struggle of of sin, how then should we live? Actually, Peter Peter addresses this for us very clearly in in First Peter, uh, Peter chapter four. Turn with me to First Peter chapter four and just let's just read a few verses. There. The the apostle Peter says this: For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself. Likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men. Turn away from the lust of men. No longer engage in those things that delighted you previously. But look what he says. But. To the will of God. So no longer live in the flesh and in the lust of men. But live to the will of God. Brothers and sisters, that's why in our church over and over and over again we're admonished to get ourselves into this book. Into the word of God. Because my dear brothers and sisters, that is the only place. You are going to get an understanding of the will of God, you know I, I remember i don 't know if i 've shared this before, but I remember when when I um, just finished my career in the army, I was medically discharged and and i was I was firmly convinced that uh, i was the Lord the Lord wanted me to share the gospel with soldiers, and all of a sudden it seemed like this door was going to close, and I could remember one day sitting. With my pastor having a conversation with him. And I said to him, Rick, I don't know what's, what's happening. I don't know what's going on because I was convinced God wanted to share, wanted me to share the gospel with soldiers. And now he's closing this door and I don't know where to go. And he said to me that day, he said to me, Tian, where do you look for guidance in your Christian life? You know, and I said to him, I said to him, Rick, well, you know, I, I pray. And I asked God to guide me, and, and He guides me. And again, He looked at me, just a wise man. You know, sometimes sometimes the Lord brings them into our life, and they can be a burden at times, but often it's the exact truth that we need to hear. And again, He said to me, He looked at me, shook his head. He said to me, Tian, where do you look for guidance in your Christian life? I said to him, man, Rick, don't you understand? You're Christian, right? You must understand what I mean when I say I pray. And I asked God to guide me and he guides me. And he just again shook his head and he looked at me and he said, Tian, you are no different than somebody who reads tea leaves or look at the stars in the heaven and look for guidance in that way. He said, do you not recognize this, that God has given us his perfect word? so that we may learn more about him and discern his will. He said, if you're, if you're a Christian and you say you just pray and you expect God to guide you, you're going to be like somebody who starts to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes across your path. He said, you need to know God in his word, and then you will be equipped by God through the Spirit to make the right decisions as you seek to live in light of his will. And that's what Peter is saying. He says that we should live to the will of God. Look what he says in verse 3. For the time past of our lives may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. Previously we lived in light of the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lavishness, in lust, excess of wine, ra- ra- revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, riot, speaking evil of you. My dear brothers and sisters, if you follow the Lord, He will change you. And those who you used to go about with you may think you are strange. But does the Bible not testify that we indeed are a peculiar people? A peculiar people set apart for the purposes of God. Have you been set apart for the purposes of God? You see, brothers and sisters, if we consider this first precept that Paul is setting before us, we need to... Not only embrace that truth that we are dead to sin, but we need to fully accept the fact of our passing. You need to accept that you have, have passed from death into life because you find yourself in that place where you are now dead to sin. See, in in chapter 5, verse 20, Paul reminded us, <coughs> he said. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace did much more abound. You see, where that reality, that knowledge of sin comes in light of the law, you and I now knowing that we are dead in our sin can stand in the reality of the grace that God has put before us. We are... Admonished over and over again by Paul, even in verse 11, he says of chapter six, likewise, reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, so it's not just the fact that we're dead, but we are also alive in Christ Jesus. And this is that newness of life that Paul is talking about that we are now living in him the second precept that paul is giving us here the second thing that he underlies that reality with we find in verse 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death into death that like as christ was raised up from the death by the glory of father for the father even so we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, and you and I have been raised up in Him. And that being raised up is the very thing that points us to this newness of life. We are called to imitate the life of our Saviour. We are reminded in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, where he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Do you know this about yourself? That because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, you are, in fact, a new creation? The old is dead. The old is gone. You have been raised in newness of life with Jesus Christ. So therefore, we should live in light of that. That truth should undergrid us with resurrection hope. You know, I love it. I don't know if you've ever seen in a big storm, and you've looked outside and you've seen a little bird coming to take sanctuary in a tree. And, and they, they're clinging on to that tree, but regardless how much the wind blows, that little bird is not afraid because he knows even if the tree were to blow over, still his wings would carry him to safety. And that is the reality for you and me, dear brothers and sisters. As we stand in Christ Jesus, we are under grit with the reality of this resurrection hope that we are in Christ. We are safe because of what he has done for us. In the Crimean War, um, there's a war between Russia and England. I can't exactly remember which soldier on which side of the conflict the soldier was, but there's a story told of a soldier who was injured in battle. And even though he was injured, he managed to crawl his way back to his tent where his belongings was. And and the soldier probably recognized very early on that his injuries were were fatal to extent, but he still labored on, he still kept on crawling until he could get to his tent. And when he got to his tent, he got his Bible out. And when the the, 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 the battle was over, eventually they found him there with his hand on his Bible and stuck on his hand, imprinted on his hand. Because with the dry blood and everything as they pulled it up was John 11.25 where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will not perish but will have eternal life. Isn't that the truth, my dear brothers, that should undergird you and my lives every day? That regardless what's going on, regardless of the struggles and the trials that we may face, we are those who've been called by God to walk in the newness of life that Paul is is talking about here and stand secure in the knowledge that we are safe in Jesus Christ. We have been raised up with him and we now know that we have a certain hope. Not a vague hope, not a hope like the world has that oh, maybe tomorrow will be a better day. No, we know whatever tomorrow may, may bring, Christ is still the certain hope and the surety of our life wherever may, we may go or wherever, wherever we may find ourselves. Now there's a third principle, and we'll close with this, <coughs> that, the, that the apostle sets before us in this passage Read with me verse 6. In verse 6 he says this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Knowing this, see the first precepts, that the the apostle gives us in this passage is that we should have a certain knowledge. You shouldn't go about wondering. You shouldn't go about thinking, well, am I truly saved? Am I this or am I that? The Bible makes it abundantly clear. You and I can know. We can know that we are loved by God and saved by His grace when we look to Jesus Christ and refuse to hold on to anything else, knowing that the old man is crucified. Do you know this evening that the old man is crucified? You see that idea of crucifixion, Paul speaks of being dead to sin, but when he talks here about what we are, that we have been Crucified, that the old man has been crucified. That old nature has been torn apart. That old nature has been dealt with on the cross. That old nature has been taken away because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. What do you know in your life for certain? What things are there in your life that you can stand upon when everything seems to go wrong? Surely, surely, brothers and sisters, this is one of those most fundamental truths that you and I need to hold on to when we endeavor to walk in the newness of life, knowing that the old man has been crucified. Do you know that the old man has been crucified? You know, with all the best promises and hopes that this world can present to us i think i would prefer to hold on to this truth knowing that i've been raised with jesus christ knowing that because of his sacrifice on the cross he had crucified my old self with him paul in uh in Philippians, I think. Let me just go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, says this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made comfortable unto his death. Oh, brothers and sisters, imagine that. That a people in this world can rejoice. In the death of somebody on the cross, because we know that is where our security lies. That the son of God himself bled and died for us that we may have hope and that we may have hope throughout eternity. You see, Paul throughout his letters, I think in, in, in 1 Corinthians specifically, he, he reminds us of a number of things that we should know. Chapter 3. Let's start off of in chapter 3. So we've got this third precept. And the third precept is, is this, that we should know the old man has been crucified. And that's why we can walk in this newness of life. But there's a couple of other things that you and I need to know. And Paul makes it abundantly clear. In chapter 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he said, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? So not only do we know that we have had the old man crucified, we know that because of what God has done, we are now the temple of God. Brothers and sisters, how can we continue in sin knowing that Christ indel- indwells us? How can we turn our eyes away and suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness any longer when we know that we have been made the temple of God. See, knowing that we are walking in newness life precludes this idea that we have been crucified, the old self have been crucified, but also that we are now the temple of God. In chapter 5, he says another thing that we should know. Verse 6, he says, Your, glory, your, your glorying is not, new, not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Not only do we need to know that we are temple, but we need to know that if you engage with sin in any way, it will create more and more leaven. That will hinder your walk with Christ, brothers and sisters. We need to know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And the reason for that, Paul gives us later on in the next verse of chapter 6, he said, Do you not know that you will be judging angels? So if you and I will be judging angels, how then should we not stand in this newness of life? knowing that the old man has been crucified, knowing that we have been raised with Christ Jesus, knowing that we are secure because of what he has done. In verse 9 of this chapter, he says I wrote unto you in an, uh, sorry verse 9, he says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So that's the Fourth thing we need to know, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says further in verse 15, Know ye not that you are members of the body of Christ? So not only will the unrighteous not inherit the kingdom of God, but you who belong to Christ as a member of Christ, how then can we even dare to join ourselves with sin again? And we are in verse 19, he says, No longer our own. Know ye not that ye are not your own? You've been bought with a price. And then finally, Paul makes this point in chapter 9 where he reminds us that this is a race. Brothers and sisters, this newness of life that you and I have been called to is not a walk in the park, it is a race. Through which we are empowered by God. We are strengthened by God. We are brought because of what God has done to that certain knowledge that you and I are now dead to sin, so therefore no longer live in it. We've been brought to that certainty that we have been raised with Christ Jesus into this newness of life. And finally, we have been reminded that you and I need to be certain of the knowledge. Of the crucifixion of the old man. Brothers and sisters. These things are things that Paul gives us. To build our faith. Not only to stand in a cliche. And say I'm walking in newness of life. But that you may know what that newness of life is. That that newness of life. Is living in the certainty. Of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that is why. We can face. Every moment knowing that Christ is with us. Knowing that Christ is the one who sustains us. Knowing that he is the one who brings us to that place where we will judge the world and angels together with the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, no longer continue in sin because you are a new creation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, that you have done this great work in us, Father. We recognize that in and of ourselves, none of us would ever avail or reach the level that is required to come into your holy presence. But, Father, that you sent your Son, sent your Son to die for us on the cross, that through his suffering we may may be made perfect, that through His suffering we may be brought to that place where because of the gifts bestowed upon us, we can repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ, the author and Savior of our souls, Lord. Father, we pray and ask that You would help us. Help us as we face this, this world every day, to walk in the certainty of this newness of life that the Apostle Paul speaks to us about. Help us to stand firm, knowing that the old man has been crucified, knowing that it's something that you, Lord Jesus Christ, have done on our behalf. Knowing that you gave us a heart of flesh, that you took our heart of stone away and made us so that we are now able to respond to your divine stimuli. Lord, thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you that you have raised us up with Christ Jesus. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help us to live in light of these glorious truths every moment of our lives so that the Lord Jesus Christ may be lifted high and glorified in our lives and through everything we do and say. For He alone is worthy all of our praise and all the glory that we are able to describe to Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.